Hello everyone, this is Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 205 of Weekly Poker Hand. Thank you very much for being here with me today. We are looking now at a pretty interesting spot from a 5-10 game at Stone's Gambling Hall. Now, I actually don't know what this specific situation is, so let's talk about two scenarios it could be. We have a player under the gun plus one raising to 30. Now, I know at Stone's Gambling Hall, they love to straddle from early position. And I don't know if under the gun plus one straddled or raised. If he raised and then Steve G picks up pocket aces in second position, I definitely like re-raising. Because if an early position player is raising, presumably they have a pretty good hand. And therefore, if you re-raise, they are pretty likely to give you action. Now, I really don't advocate three betting early position raisers too often in general. Because if you're three betting them, then you obviously you must have something good. But with aces, it doesn't matter a whole lot. And also, if someone has a hand like queens or jacks, they're usually just putting their stack in and not worrying about it. So I would typically three bet in that scenario. If this was a straddle, though, like let's say under the gun or under the gun plus one straddles, and now Steve G picks up aces, I much prefer calling then. Because when he calls it's somewhat likely that someone yet to act will raise his quote-unquote limp, right? Because he's just calling the straddle. So if there is a straddle under the gun, I definitely like calling with the aces from early position. Usually someone's going to raise to something like $100 or $130. And then with only a $1,000 stack, you can either go all in or you can re-raise to 260 and trap the player in, or you can even call and slow play pretty hard depending on how it goes. Um, in this scenario, though, I'm pretty sure Big, day, big Wave Dave raise under the gun plus one to $30, and now Steve G decides to call with aces, I definitely would have just three bet here. Um, again, if you are not watching these videos on YouTube or JonathanLittlePoker.com, feel free to do that. I do understand many of you are listening on iTunes, though, so or the other podcast apps, and I'll do my best to talk you through the action. Also, Daniel elects to call with six two of clubs in the hijack seat. That's a hand he definitely should fold. I get the vibe that Daniel's sort of a splashy player, but at the same time, 6-2 of clubs is not a hand you want to call a raise with just because you're going to be making bad flush draws and bad pairs. And you don't really want to make bad hands when you're playing somewhat deep stacked. As you can see here, everyone is at least 90 big blinds deep or so. So that's definitely not a hand you want to play. Harlan elected to call the cutoff as well with jack-9 offsuit. That's also a hand I would just fold. That's the hand that's going to make a lot of medium pairs, or you know, maybe you make a straight here and there, but usually you're just going to end up with a medium pair, and that's not where you want to be. So both of those hands I certainly would have folded, and we still don't know what big wave Dave raised with, because he decided not to show his cards. All right, flop comes. Eight, seven, seven, two clubs. So um, Steve G has aces for an overpair, and Daniel has a flush draw. So let's take a look at the action. Looks like... Big Wave Dave checked, and now Steve G, with his pocket aces, decided to bet 65 into the 135 pot. And I think that's fine. I think you want to be betting for protection slash value on 8772 clubs. It's very easy for someone yet to act to have a flush draw or a straight draw or a top pair that's going to call you every time. You definitely have to be concerned about the random seven out there because... I mean, clearly we see people playing 6-2 suited and jack-9 offsuit. They just as easily could have a 7 in their hand, right? Obviously, I understand that they're less likely to have a 7 because there's two 7s on the board, but you get what I'm saying. So it's not just free that no one has a 7 and you're thrilled to get your money in. 
I definitely do like a bet though. If you check and it checks around, very often people are going to realize some amount of equity. And if you bet, a lot of worse hands can call. I would typically bet more in this spot though. The pot was 135. When you are gonna be betting somewhat infrequently, and this is definitely a spot where Steve G wants to be betting with only his good draws and his good made hands, you typically want to bet on the bigger side because with your best made hands like pocket aces or even a seven, you don't mind getting a lot of money in immediately when you are usually ahead. And with your draws, you don't mind applying a lot of pressure because if your opponents fold, that is great. I actually discuss this a lot over at pokercoaching.com. If you have not signed up for that, go get your free seven-day trial, and I'll explain to you when and why to continuation bet. So um, this is definitely a situation where if you're going to bet, you want to be betting infrequently and large. And Pocket Ace is a hand that wants to bet pretty much every time, so bet large like $120 or so. But he bets 65, and now it's on Daniel with a six high flush draw. And he has a pretty interesting decision between calling and raising. We are playing $880 behind. If he calls, he's going to be in position. Um, the problem, though, is that if he calls in this spot, he's probably not calling with very many sevens. And this is a pretty bad draw. So when you are going to want to raise with some of your best hands, you also want to try to find some quote-unquote bluffs to raise with, usually semi-bluffs. And usually the bluffs you want to raise with are the ones that have no showdown value whatsoever. And also the ones you don't really mind raising and then folding. Because imagine he's sitting here with 10-9 of clubs. He doesn't really want to raise and just get it in against someone who has a 7, right? Or even pocket aces. But with 6-2 of clubs, if you raise and your opponent shoves, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I don't think it's the end of the world. So... I think this is a fine hand to raise, but calling's also fine given Steve G bets so small. If Steve G bet bigger, I would prefer a raise even more. Um, you may think that you don't necessarily want to raise with the flush draws and then have to fold to a re-raise, but sometimes that happens. More often than not, though, your opponent's going to call or fold, and that's just going to be that, and you're going to win the pot. So I don't mind a raise. If I am going to raise, I'm going to make it somewhat sizable, as if I had a 7, right? So when uh, Steve G bets 65, I would make it something like... 210. If you make it much less than that, I think that may result in Steve G floating a lot. And I don't really think you want him floating because you pretty much have to continue bluffing. So this is a spot where I'm going to ray, uh, make it 210 or so and then maybe bet the turn, maybe not. But if I do bet the turn, it's often going to be all in. So let's see what happens. Daniel decides to... Well, they're taking their time showing me what happened. I'm pretty sure he elected to raise, and I think he made it 134 min-raise. I do not like a min-raise. When you min-raise now, Steve G's going to call with all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and you definitely don't want that, unless you plan on betting medium on the turn and then jamming the river, so going for the full three-street bluff, which I think is reasonable. I imagine most likely, though, Daniel's just min-raising to try to buy a free card. This is a play that a lot of limit players will make where they will min-raise the flop and then check behind on the turn. So instead of having to call a flop bet and a turn bet and limit hold'em, which costs you a small bet and then a big bet, 1.5 big bets total, you get to put in a small bet now and another small bet for your raise and then check behind on the turn. This type of thought process does not really work for no limit hold'em usually, but sometimes it does. Um, so there basically is putting in 130 now to see the turn and the river, as opposed to a 65 bet now and then maybe 130 bet on the turn, that would cost him 195 instead of 130. Maybe that's what he was thinking. 
Um, it's kind of hard to know what Daniel's strategy is in this spot. Anyway, back to Steve G. I would usually just call in the spot. If you re-raise, what's going to give you action? Well, good draws, which are roughly flipping against your aces, and um, sevens, which you lose to. So you're going to be getting it in against draws that are flipping and sevens that you're almost dead against. So that's definitely not what you want. When you re-raise and your opponent folds, he's usually folding out hands that have relatively little equity, like open-ended straight draws or gut shot straight draws. Now, obviously, you don't care if your opponent folds those hands when you have aces, but at the same time, that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is your opponent just has a seven and you're putting your whole stack in dead. So I think this is a spot where you have to take the lesser of two evils and call. But it looks like Steve G is raising. He makes it 400 bucks. So that's enough to make Daniel very clearly pot committed. Um, so now Daniel has to put in 270 into a pot that's going to go up to um, eight. How much will this be? Six. 60, 768, 60, 9, 900 or so, 940 or so. This is close to a call, but I think he should probably just fold. It's kind of interesting when Steve G makes it 400, leaving Daniel 350 behind. I, I don't really know why he would do that as opposed to just shoving if he is going to raise. Because at this point, he's giving the draws almost the right price. So I think that Daniel should fold here, but I would be fearing mostly premium made hands in this spot. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think that, it, like, is this better than shoving? And I definitely don't think it is, because I don't think Steve G can make it 400 and then fold to a shove, because Daniel may still just shove it all in with his good flush draws, like 10-9 of clubs and 9-6 of clubs. Also, he's going to just put it in with sevens, which you're clearly dead against, but at that point, you're getting 5-1 to one pot odds, so, you know, you're behind, you're not getting the right price, but... I think you still have to call. I think this is one of these scenarios where Steve G wins this pot with his aces and thinks, yeah, I got him. I did it great. But in reality, he didn't give his opponent the opportunity to bluff and he all with his um junky hands. And he also opened the door for him to get stacked with a, a win Daniel happens to have a seven or if anyone else at the table happens to have a seven. So this is always a dicey spot when you have an overpair multi-way and you bet and get raised. But I don't think the answer is just to blast your stack in unless you know your opponent is raising the flop with all sorts of garbage, in which case you're probably best off calling and inducing bluffs, even on a somewhat draw-heavy board. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. This was a fun one. Um, he did make it 400 bucks, and Dan Daniel did make the fold, for those who are not watching on jonathanlillpoker.com. And um, yeah, that's it. Good luck in your games. Have fun. Be nice to each other. And I'll talk to you next week.